and welcome to the Betches Sub Podcast. I'm Sammy Hushbine. I'm Brandon Smith. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sub Podcast is your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happening in the news, explained by our two funniest friends. Which is us. Yes, it is. And this is our recap bonus episode. It's our final episode of 2018. And we're just going to like shoot the shit a little bit about where we are. About life. In life, <laughs> in the year. This is my therapy session, actually. Same. If I didn't have this, like, I would never be able to think straight because I wouldn't have anywhere to, like, get it out. It's true. Okay. So, first thing we wanted to discuss is that the movie Vice came out mm-hmm. on Christmas, and I saw it Yeah, on we saw it, yeah. So good. It was really good. So good. Adam McKay, man. Incredible. He's the best. Incredible. He's, like, Adam McKay is the guy who is the director of Vice. He directed Big Short, but he also directed, like, Anchorman. He was, like, the head writer of SNL. And, like, he basically started the digital short program. He's he's kind of the shit. Oh, and UCB. He's one of the founding members oh, really? of UCB. He's awesome. He's kind he of really just is. the shit. But, um, yeah, so I, I love the movie. Obviously, from, like, an artistic standpoint, it was amazing. But, like, I feel like we're not here to discuss that. No, it was depressing. Yeah. <laughs> the content. <laughs> right. Was depressing. I mean, okay. First of all, I was pretty, like, up on the news during the Bush administration because mm-hmm. I hated it. Yeah. But, um... I find it interesting that like now we sort of look back on it as like glorification, mm-hmm. but in reality they just kind of laid the groundwork for all the shady, well, awful th- things that are happening it, right now. It like goes, it goes back to like Bush Senior and the Reagan administration, even like you know, right. it's like it really like brings up this question that we'll like I guess get into is like, is it better like what we have right now is this dumb idiot who's lazy and whatever who's who's like corrupt and he has like whatever he does bad things these people were smart and not lazy and did really fucked up things right like there's that scene where they show him sort of placing people in all different areas of Mm -hmm. the government like that's interesting that's how a competent person goes about things yeah trump's government is empty yes so it's like it's really crazy to see what happens when like someone who wants to do really bad things actually knows what the hell they're doing and how government works versus someone who just like rules by tweet. Yeah. So this movie was about Dick Cheney as you've like, yes, gleamed. Um, He was the vice president during the second Bush administration. Um, Yeah. So it's what what I also thought interesting was about, they kept referring to George Bush in the movie, like George uh, Bush jr. As, George Bush Sr.'s kid. Yeah. Even like after he was president. Yeah. They, yeah, they were taught, like they would talk more about his father as being a real person Mm -hmm. then, which I think is true. Like he was, he was like a kind of a fuck up. Yeah. And then he ended up becoming president. Like, yeah. And like, it's also interesting that like whatever he's from Texas, but like he's really from the Northeast. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Who's like a member of the skull and bones society. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you're a liberal northeasterner yeah. Yankee, also George. Yeah, like, I know. Relax, um, <laughs> relax with your ranch. And so you know, Cheney was like just like a career politician, you know, serving as chief of staff to Ford. He worked in the White House under Nixon. He worked for Donald Rumsfeld. Then he served as the chief of staff to Ford after the resignation of Nixon. Then McCarter became president. And then he started running for the House of Representatives in Wyoming. Then he was in the House during the Reagan administration, and then he was Defense Secretary for H.W. Bush. Yeah. So he has quite the resume, but at the same time, that experience is what basically enabled him to... He was kind of running a shadow government. Mm -hmm. He was really running the government as if he was the president Mm -hmm. behind 
Bush. Bush mm. was kind of just like the mouthpiece and Cheney was really like driving the strategy yeah. when it came to like everything. Well, there's a really interesting quote in the beginning of the movie and it's like, I forget what it, I forget the exact quote, but it was something about fear of the quiet man because he's always watching and listening and yeah. he's ready to strike when the people are done talking. Yeah. And that's exactly who Dick Cheney was. Right. And and what was also interesting is that he didn't just like be like, I'm going to take this power. Like he actually looked for justifications for it. Like yeah. he spoke to lawyers. And I think that that's sort of what's different and in some ways more dangerous yeah. than what you have now yeah. because you see that like so much of how the government is run is not necessarily based on like strict law. Mm-hmm. And that if you have just like a couple people who think that the vice president is in charge, you know, that the vice president ha- is not part of either branch and can do whatever it wants. You have a few people who are like legally trying to justify that. That kind of opinion can become what is actually the law. Yeah. Which is a scary thought because he was, he operated under this idea that, of something called the unitary executive theory, which is a theory of American constitutional law holding that the president possesses the power to control the entire executive branch and basically do whatever the fuck he wants because if the president does it, it's not illegal. And which I think was an actual quote from Nixon. Yeah. And exactly. And by the, by extension, he felt it applied to him as vice president. He also felt like he wasn't serving the president because he wasn't technically a part of the administration, nor was he technically a part of the Senate. So he was like his own person. Yeah. Which, you know, something else I thought was interesting and I don't want to ruin it for people, but I don't think this will at the end. They, so they basically spend the movie showing you how he's like a terrible guy. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, they let him like kind of make his case with that monologue, which I found very interesting Mm -hmm. because I felt like they really wanted to sort of cut, like let him have the chance to do that. So you can see like, okay, he did all this stuff. Like, what was his justification? How could he possibly think that's okay? And then he gives his justification, which in my opinion is bullshit, but like, at least you hear it. Yeah. You know, at least, yeah. But so basically all this comes down to, you know, like the war in Iraq and nine 11, which set the, well, nine. Okay. Nine 11, like we got attacked. Like that really obviously changed things. You know, it really would, she just hit the fan after 2000. <laughs> yeah. It really did. Um, but yeah, the war in Iraq really laid the groundwork and they show how the war in the, the war in Iraq directly led to the founding of ISIS. Mm-hmm. Unlike what Trump says, which yeah. is that Obama is the founder of ISIS. Which is, yeah, not. <laughs> it's really because of the Iraq war. Yeah, and because they used like false justifications and basically like they, um, <clears throat> They said that uh, this Iraqi extremist met with Osama bin Laden once and that he was a, he was like a member of Al Qaeda. And they it, but like they use that as the whole just as the whole. But they met once. They didn't get along because he made he his like he made a comment about Sunnis, Sh- Sunnis and um, Osama bin Laden's mother was a Sunni. Yeah. This is one of the things that like I remember being in or seventh Shia, grade. No, it was it, it was, was Sunni. Yeah, I remember being in seventh grade, or it was they. They're not the same. Whatever. Yeah, the one that he doesn't like is the one that Osama bin Laden was. I remember being in seventh grade, and I had a teacher who like taught us that Iraq and uh, and like Al Qaeda have nothing to do with each other for mm-hmm. that reason. And I always remembered like, yeah, like everyone just thinks Muslims. Oh, they're all the same. Yeah, they're not the same. No. They hate each other just as much as they hate us in some cases. Yeah, and like. That is a problem. They're not going to lie if yeah. that's the case. And it's but, true. But you know, at the same time, that's the justification they used to get us into this war. It was like basically just trying to like 
because he saw he saw nine eleven as an nine eleven as an opportunity to finally invade Iraq, and on with quote unquote weapons of mass destructions, um, basically which they never found, basically just to continue the goal of American imperialism and establish military bases in the Arabian Peninsula. Because he wanted power, he was yeah. a very power hungry person, which is kind of the essence of the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, and he, it it shows that this whole thing really started during the first Bush administration with the Gulf War and using false justifications for it. I mean, not not that the Iraq's invasion of Kuwait did not happen. It did happen. But, you know, they said they gave him the OK. They said that we don't we don't meddle in Middle East uh, problems. So whatever happens, it's not up to us. And the sanctions that we imposed on Iraq fucked up Iraqi so, like life so much, you know, Tylenol, bleach, x-ray equipment were banned. Children were dying of diseases that could have been cured. And this was all happening when he was defense secretary for H.W. Bush and just laid the groundwork. And then Iraq and then Saddam stayed in power anyways. And then, you know, this whole thing with 9-11 happens and he's like, oh, here's my chance to finally get the get the whole thing done. I just like don't understand. I'm right. And they show like them focus grouping. Like yeah. the war mm-hmm. to, like so that they could like find a way to get people to connect them because yeah. they're not the same because they weren't connected and meanwhile you know when between uh Ch- cheney was the uh ceo of halliburton who ended up getting a no contract no bid contract to yeah. assist in the war, war in iraq and right. he was making like millions of dollars off of it right laying the groundwork yes. for like corruption generally just Th- being this fine. guy this guy this guy cheney has done so much so damage. Much damage. He it's really a, has. It's a great movie. And then you watch it and you're like furious. <laughs> yeah. I want to see it again, honestly. I do want to see it again. I'll see it again. I'll get, I'll get myself furious again. I'm I would furious go see all the it. time anyway. Yeah. There's also, there's this, I not to plug another podcast, but there's this great episode. I mean, there's this, there's, 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 there's this episode um called uh, on the podcast, The Intercept, where they basically break down George H.W. Bush's life and where Dick Cheney plays like a big role especially during his administration where they talk about all the things that happened and all the false justifications and lies and iran contra and all that bullshit it's crazy it's really good i would check it out check if you it have the out time. okay <clears throat> so let's now return to the main topic of this yeah. podcast which is sort of like the recap of today but we wanted to talk about that because it really was eye-opening mm-hmm. how much you know, this didn't just come out of nowhere. Like, I feel like we reached, especially this week and this past, like, month, I think, I feel like we reached this point where it's, like, so, so, so intense and so crazy. Because even during the Bush years, when the news was crazy, it was because he, like, mispronounced nuclear. Yeah. Like, it wasn't the same level. Crowd sizes. Yeah, it wasn't, like, the same level. Like, even the beginning of this administration was just an argument about, like, bullshit crowd yeah. sizes and, like, all this stuff. But, like, I really feel that in the past month or so, or even since, since really since the midterms, I really feel that things have gotten so much worse than they were before. However, I feel much more like numb and used to it. Like Mm -hmm. it's more like, like I have to really remind myself that this is happening and this is like, it's not, and it's, it's still happening and he's still getting away with it. And like, even though I do feel like maybe there are some more Republicans kind of speaking out, like it's not, yeah, there's, they're still saying well, they're still okay with him well, and he is still has his supporters Yeah, and he's at 38% in the approval ratings, but that could change next week. Like, yeah, 
He could. I still think he could definitely get reelected, especially uh, yeah. with all of like the fucked up electioneering and yeah. all that crap. And just like it really depends on what happens in the lead up to the to the election. You know, like how the Democrats approach their like their campaigns. Well, there's just so much. Yes, and we'll get into the 2020 candidate, but I just feel like there's so much to be mad about all the time mm-hmm. that like I don't even like I jump from one thing to the next. Like I go from being like upset about like Russia corruption to then being like, "Oh, but then again, there's these 14,000 kids in camps that are some of them are dying." And yeah. even if they aren't dying, they're still being like basically tortured and traumatized. Yeah. Then you have just like the whole like the fact that the planet is like gonna be destroyed and no one's doing anything about yeah. it we're like seriously on a time crunch here that was another like, thing that was another thing that they showed in in vice oh, how yeah. they how they focus group the word global warming and changed it into climate change right it's less scary right Fuck. i mean global warming sounds scary well they're not scary to me really they, nice they're like Ooh, global. well i'm that, like oh that's climate change be hot. climate change sounds i think better maybe i don't know yeah, I mean, and and just the, I have this feeling like we're so not even scratching the surface of what Trump has really done and what he's really preparing for well, the next election via other mm, actors yeah. or whether it's like governors in different certain states. The way that, I mean, you saw in like, um, what was it where the guy was collecting absentee ballots, South Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, like you like these kinds of things are happening all over the country. Plus, you have the influence from these other nations who Trump is allying with. And we're going to get into um, this thread that I am like heavily into about Trump's corruption in a minute. But like it just feels like there's not really that much mm-hmm. hope, I guess. Well, it's just like I think we're the, the, the amount of damage he is doing to our democratic institutions, you know, the press, the courts, um, our relationships with our allies won't even be a, a quantifiable until it's all over. Right. And we can like step, take a step back and look at all the fucked up shit he did because I think it's going to be, it's going to be a long like repairing process. Well, here's the thing. I feel like the next president, assuming one gets elect, a Democrat gets elected. Why can't that person just be like, you know what? Like, I'm so sorry. Like we're back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's hopefully the goal. The courts, maybe not because there's lifetime appointments, but like, you know, unless we are able to uh, like confirm that this guy is an illegitimate leader, but but he, then what are you going to do? Take away all his judges? Like yes, <laughs> take maybe. away take away Neil Gorsuch, take away Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, unless the Democrat wants to keep them. Oh, which I think about how not. mad I was about Brett Kavanaugh I and know. like and like that was not even that was in September was October. Like a, 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 yeah, fucking crazy. Ugh. I mean, I just think I still I still think about watching Rachel Maddow cry on air because of the migrant children. Yeah. Like when, cause like, sh- like the news broke that we were putting the babies in cages while she was like trying to pass it along. And so she's reading the, the paper. She starts crying and I'm like, oh, my God, they broke Rachel Maddow. Yeah. <laughs> like how? It's just been like a horrible. Y- it's really been a horrible year. Yeah. It really has. Like and there's really no way to like overstate it. Mm-hmm. That's really the sad thing. OK. Something I wanted to talk about is. Um, something that I think is not being brought to light yet. It's really only living in like Twitter threads of Seth Abramson at the moment. But mm-hmm. um, we have a we have a guest interview on um on Monday, New Year's Eve, and the episode is with this journalist Sarah Kenzior, who's very very popular on Twitter, and she's like. I personally have nicknamed her the Paul Revere of Russian meddling <laughs> because she was like way on top of it very very early, and she also 
we didn't talk about this with her. We talked about how the Republicans want to st- want to hold a constitutional convention and basically mm-hmm. rewrite our constitution. That's like their plan for a while now. But we she alluded to Coke the fact. Brothers. Yeah, it's them. Um, she basically alluded to the fact that um, oh my god, could you imagine if there was a constitutional convention? It'd be a shit show. Um, she alluded to the fact that this Russia thing is not the only like kind of sale of our country that the tr- that Trump was trying to like create and that actually it's a part of a much bigger picture and seth abramson who is a columnist for newsweek and a writer and a journalist has been tweeting about it lately and basically his point is that we don't really fully understand the full scale of the corruption that trump was carrying on before he got elected and after he got elected basically they're willing to sell off our country's entire foreign policy and potentially domestic policy in exchange for financial arrangements and alliances with multiple other countries most of whom are run in an authoritarian manner and not Um, not just he's not doing this to benefit the united states government or the united states people this is all for the benefit of donald trump and his family and his legacy right like part of it i guess at first i was like how could all he have wanted was a stupid tower in moscow like that's it like that's literally all this was about but actually i think it was about much more money and about you know, retaining power and allowing these governments that are not really aligned with how America's government is supposed to be mm-hmm. about allowing them to um, basically maintain power. And that's what Mattis was basically saying when he resigned last week. Yeah. That was, that's when, that's what made it so scary. Yeah. Um, so Seth Abramson, he has many threads about this, but the one that I would like to call to light is about Syria and the withdrawal. And basically what he's saying is that, the Syria withdrawal is a cover to allow Saudi Arabia to launder money through Syria in order to pay off Russia for getting Trump elected. Um, this thread basically implicates not only Saudi Arabia and Russia, but other countries, including the United Arab Emirates, Hungary, Israel, and Egypt. And he says sometimes Qatar is involved. Yeah, and he said here... He said, we've already seen apparent money laundering from the Saudis to the Russians to pay for the Russian campaign to like Trump, including one payment in the amount of hundreds of millions of dollars from a Mohammed bin Salman linked Saudi to a Putin linked Russian oligarch for a fake painting. Yeah. And I mean, he's in these threads. We're not going to go into like every single detail because yeah. we are trying to do a recap podcast and we have some <laughs> fun things to get to at the end. Yeah. Um, he names who the like conduits are for the money who the people actually meeting are um and i mean it's it's pretty much putin runs everything through his oligarchs they're meeting with conduits of the saudi arabian government and mohammed bin salman and basically saudi arabia was offering to bankroll the like the propaganda campaign that ultimately got trump elected or contributed to his election um this is the tweet that kind of sums it up i've now been researching trump's quote-unquote grand bargain long enough to say conclusively that the contours of the that pre-election bargain are substantially more complex than the pre-election trump russia collusion it turns out trump russia collusion is but one quadrant of a larger story which makes so much sense because it never really like made like full it never really like settled to me like he just was doing this for a tower Mm -hmm. like that's it but now it makes sense. Like yeah. it was really like he just wants to be like allied with this group of people. Well, he wants he wants power, and he like he's just he's a power hungry person. He just like likes the idea of being the most powerful person in the world, and he was able and he gets along better with pe- dictators and authoritarians. Right. 
and they they the Middle East people they they want to they want a, a rich, stable Middle East, obviously. Right, but run by like oligarchs, run by of, oligarchs or run, religious authority, yeah, yeah, or kingships. You yeah. know what I mean, like kingdoms, yeah. like the Saudi Arabian kingdom, and but they are aware of the fact that in order for that to happen, they need a ally in the U.S. White House. Right, because the U.S. sort of does determine what, as we can see from Vice, what happens in the mm-hmm. Middle East. Like, we have a big deal. So he's willing to basically sell out all of our European allies. A big part of this is the weakening of the NATO agreement mm-hmm. and of all of those countries, because if those countries are all sort of, like, independent and alone, then there's no, like, large power block that can prevent anyone from doing whatever they want in the Middle East or elsewhere. Yeah. So... And it's... We can see that Michael Flynn is... So is that's why he's such a key component to this Mueller investigation because he was a lobbyist for Turkey. He's worked with Israel, Egypt, all these places. He could have been the go between for a lot of these situations. Right. And or at least he knows about them. Right. No, I mean, definitely what they're basically trying to do is like realign the world's order here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so fucked up. It's like like the amount of information that I'm sure will one day come out about the coordination is going to be like, like a Homer text. It's like yeah. going to be so long. <laughs> the Odyssey. It's going to be like, it's I'm gonna, excited for that book. It's going to be crazy. Like there's just so much information, so much collusion. <laughs> right. Well, what Seth Abramson said is that like, you can't really tell this story in a book. You can really only show it through like documentation mm-hmm. and like showing who was paying who what. And it, it all really does make sense why he acts this way about our allies, why he acts this way when he goes out on the world stage and praises dictators, like, because this is what he wants. Like yeah. the only difference is that like 40, 60% of our country doesn't want that. And the other 30 something 30 high 30 percent is brainwashed yeah they are they're in a cult this Mm -hmm. is a cult because he promises them things he doesn't give it to them for example mexico not paying for the wall no (laughs) we have a whole government shutdown because mech because he he lied again he just lied talks out of his ass okay so i mean the only thing that really does give me hope is the fact that there is a campaign coming up and that there will be bright spots when we like see some of these candidates coming out, I just really hope that they don't rip each other apart. And I hope that the Republican election machine mm-hmm. does not, we really need a candidate who is like overwhelmingly clean, loved and clean enough mm-hmm. that like they, that they can genuinely garner enough votes to counteract we like just, the unfairness. Yeah. We just can't have another Bernie situation. Who do you want? Hillary, like, like, and like, like his followers, not, supporting hillary because that just didn't work out <laughs> obviously not, not a candidate that people do not like yeah hillary well like, like, people it, who are supposed to like her have to like she her. was a, she was not a great candidate well we all know that yeah um who do i like yeah you know it changes it changes huh. i i i will I'll give you three who i like okay i like i like kamala harris a lot okay i like beto o'rourke a lot okay and i like amy klobuchar okay you know, because I tweet it every day. Yeah. It's part of my campaign. I'm yeah. trying to meet her if she becomes president. Before she becomes president, you mean? Either. Yeah. <laughs> I am so hardly standing Amy Klobuchar. And there, I really have a whole argument in my head. Um, I want to hear it because I okay. only like, I, I know who she is, obviously, but I like, she's always like strong and smart. Right. Whenever she speaks, but I don't know enough pa- about her. Okay. Here, here's, here's what it is. She's a senator in Minnesota. So she's already like 
she has more she like can touch the midwest Mm -hmm. which is where we struggle the Mm -hmm. most in elections and where we need to sway the most votes in those like obama towns that then went for trump yeah um she i think projects the most like steady general way of being she i think is she's progressive but she's not threatening like i love kamala harris but Mm -hmm. like ultimately she's not going to win because she's like this California liberal who doesn't have kids. She's like, people see that and they're like, no, she's not for me. Yeah. I really think that almost every other candidate is poisoned by now. She has very low name recognition. And I find that the more that I expose her to people, they all like her. Yeah. Like she's easy to like, Mm -hmm. and I could see her. I mean, she was prominent in the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and you saw how like she, um, how she handled it when he like yelled at her. Yeah. Like, Do you like beer? Yeah. She was like, answer the question. Senator. Yeah. Like that kind of strength, I think will play very well mm-hmm. in a debate mm-hmm. when she goes up against him. I think it will be really hard for her, for him to attack her because I think when people look at her, they're going to see their mother. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to see, I think she's the only Democrat and I like Beto. I like Biden. I like, I like all the Democratic yeah. candidates. Like I would be, if it were up to me and like people who I associate with, great. They should all be president. Yeah. Fine. But like, that's not really the case. Most people in the country don't think to the extent that we do pro- in terms of progressivism. Mm-hmm. And I think that they want to see a, someone who see, feels a little bit more medium. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not from California. Yeah. They're not like elitist liberal coastal people. Like the only person who can win is I feel like if, Kamala was attacked for being a coastal elite. She'd be like, but look at this guy. Look at, look at this guy sitting next to me on this pod on the stage. He's from, he grew up in the Queens and is from New York. But that didn't, that didn't work with Hillary. Like, you know what I mean? I just feel like that, that point could become mute. It, it doesn't though. Yeah. It doesn't because like, I know know that like we, we want, like we want those people to be able to win, but like they can't win. Like, because there's just not, there's a certain like, type of vibe that is like unappealing to people who are not like let's say the 30 percent most liberal people in america yeah you need to hit that like middle 30 percent and that is someone who like i really feel like only kind of like this motherly senator from minnesota can can beat yeah like i just think she's the strongest candidate i think she's strong i just i i think i don't know you want someone shinier I know. Well, I want someone who's going to energize people and br- and make them want to vote. I don't know if she is like a uh, a hope and change person. You but know maybe, what I mean? But maybe you don't need a hope and change person. Maybe you just need someone steady. Like, yeah. like I, at this point, like, like, eat, like I love Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but like the way that people hate her scares me. Yeah. Because it's like that reaction, like that she, like as much as she energizes like you and you're like, yes, go. Yeah. Like, that re- the reaction she garners is dangerous. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need someone who's like, who like is not going to garner hatred, but they, but like people will feel like warm towards them. Yeah. Like that middle 30% who like could have voted for either one. But then there's also that like people are saying that we need a business person, <sighs> an anti-Trump. Like I'm just Michael playing de- Bloomberg. I'm just, yeah. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not saying Michael yeah. Bloomberg should run or, right. or like, but like there's like an Oprah Winfrey esque candidate i love oprah but like she has no she doesn't know anything about pot like yeah. you know what i mean the reason that 
Like, I can't be like, oh, I don't think that Beto should be the candidate because he lost to Ted Cruz and doesn't have enough experience. And then be like, yeah, Oprah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can't do that. So, like, it needs to be, like, a real person. Like, yeah. you want someone who is, like, no bullshit. Like, there's just been so much bullshit in the past few years. Like, having someone who's just, like... Sorry. I, but I think it is good that she doesn't have name recognition because people aren't burnt out on her yet. Well, that's like, the thing. Like, there's time yeah. to, like, for America to fall in love with Amy Klobuchar <laughs> <laughs> the I, way I have. Well, so, I mean, we... Hopefully, she announces she's running. She may not even... Like, she hasn't really given any indications that she will, has she? I think it's heavily, it's highly strategic because I've seen her do a few interviews Mm -hmm. like, and she just is very like, she's great at answering questions. First of all, she's incredibly even keeled. Like I, I just think she sort of has that Ruth Bader Ginsburg esque long game quality Mm -hmm. of like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. No flash. Like she's the opposite of Michael Avenatti. Yeah. Or Cory Booker for that matter. Yeah. Like get out of our faces, Cory Booker. No grandstanding, no flash. She's just playing the long game, doing what women who want to succeed have always had to do, which is just kind of shut the fuck up and like, and do and like prove themselves. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think Amy Klobuchar should be president. Other thing about <laughs> other thing about I just want to mention about Cory Booker is the reason I don't like him, even though he's from New Jersey, he um, just takes a lot of far- big pharma money and big big money. Yeah, he's a big money guy, and it, that really pisses me off. Yeah, I agree. That's what I love about Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Yeah, is that she's like anti this. Well, same with Be- that's the thing about Beto is he's a cra- he's a, he's a people's candidate. Right. He's like supported by the people. My ideal ticket is actually Klobuchar Beto. That'd be sweet. That's actually because I think he has, you know, then maybe he could be president later. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, I just don't think he's going to win because you you lost to Ted Cruz. Everyone hates Ted Cruz, That's, even the people who voted for Texas. him. It's yeah, Texas. Yeah, but people hate him and he still lost decisively. Not like he, it wasn't. It was. It was more than anyone ever thought a Texas race, could, Senate race, could become. But it was still a lot. It was still more than anything. He still lost to Ted Cruz. Like at the end of the day, like Trump is just gonna be like, "You lost to Ted Cruz." Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you lost to Ted Cruz. Like, and he'll and he'll even say he'll be like, "Everyone hates Ted." Yeah. <laughs> yes. That'll uh, Ted's dad killed Kennedy. Yeah, that'll be a great soundbite. <laughs> yeah, it'll come one day. Okay, so guys, check out Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> She's great. I like Kamala Harris. I'm going to keep saying I like her too, but like she's not going to win. Because women are going to not be into her because she doesn't have kids. I think, I don't think that matters. Maybe she can have kids. Maybe she has something. It doesn't matter to the 30% of progressives that you know who don't care if she has kids or not. But there's those, but there's like the down home people. Angela Merkel doesn't have kids and she's still chancellor of Germany. Germany's not the same. Yeah. They're not the same. This is a religious nation. I was going to say though that, you know, the, the people who pick the Democratic candidates during the primaries are usually women in minorities. And because they have it, it, when they vote in the Democratic primaries, yeah. it's it's the it's a fee, woman black vote that can make these decisions, especially across the South. And I think that in terms of winning a primary, like not even seeing the general election, I think Kamala Harris is a sh- like very well likely could win the primary because of that reason. Right. But like, she's not, she's not cut out to be the presidential candidate. Like, I, think, I know I, I think, like her. I love her, but like, she's just not, I think if they I saw her, her in a debate, Nancy Pelosi, if I think if they saw her in a debate with Trump, people would like her. I think people would still like her. And then at the end of the day, she would lose because she would lose Florida. Obama won Florida. Obama. It's a, it was a different time. This is not the same George Bush and, and who, who do you run against? John McCain. 
Trump is a different animal. Like, yeah. you need a different thing to beat him. And no offense, but Kamala Harris is not Obama. as inspiring as Obama. Obama, well, maybe maybe she will be. We, she's it's so not. early. She's not. Like, um, I, I've, I've watched her, and I really Obama like her. Obama would beat Trump if he could. Obama would bring <laughs> me... He, I don't know. Obama would bring me to tears when I would listen to him speak sometimes mm. because I would just be, oh, oh yes, like, oh, would change. I've never felt that way about about Kamala Harris. Not yet. But with Amy Klobuchar, I feel like I'm looking at like my my mother, like like my mom, like she worked so hard, she raised me, and now she's running for president. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she'd she'd have more success doing that than Hillary Clinton did. Hillary Clinton, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, so you may see like, oh, we're why, why are you guys talking about this? You know, the first Democratic primary debate is in six months. It's that's gonna fly by. That's June. That everyone's going to be starting. We're going to hear people announcing their candidacy in January, and everyone who's going to be running for president will be announced by April, I think. Right. Because how are you supposed to prepare for like a debate? People. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people at that first debate, and then they're going to have a debate every month. Oh my god! Except be for so August, much fun. it's going to be. It's going to get a bit too much, but that's the other thing. It's like, I hope they don't attack each other because Trump will do that enough for them. Yeah. They got to be good. You know what? All those, I think Beto and Biden and Bernie fucking men, they're all going to knock each other out mm-hmm. because they're all just going to like, it's going to be a big swinging dick contest for yeah. all of them. And they're going to knock each other out. And the women, it's going to come. Who do you think the, the first one's going to announce will be to announce Biden? Yeah. He's the most like, it should be me. I'm a man. Like, obviously. I'm a me. white man. Do I you think know where it, we yeah. live? I think it'll be Biden and Warren. I think they'll be the first oh, two. Oh, get her out of here. No offense. Oh, she's definitely running. She's got to go. Okay. 23 and me. Um, <laughs> all right. We want to do some awards. Yeah. We're going to award some things just at the end of this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, breakout star of the year. Who do you say? Beto. I said Beto too. He is the breakout star. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he is. Congratulations, Beto. Okay. <laughs> we, sh- we should put these on Twitter and have people submit, and then they'll see what we... Oh, we'll do that later. Or we c- and we could also do an Instagram poll. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, most evil person in politics this year, I said Kirsten Nielsen. Oh, besides Trump. Yeah, besides Trump. Yeah. I said Kirsten Nielsen. I said Mitch McConnell. Oh, that's good too. They're both pretty bad. They're both pretty bad. Okay. Most funny person in politics this year. I said the Betcha Sub team. Oh my God, same. <laughs> <laughs> but if I were going with a politician, uh huh. Um, mm. I would say Trump is funny, but not in the way that he's means not to be. To be like, I laugh at him a lot. Right. I don't laugh with him ever. Right. Um, Although when he did say Adam shit, I did chuckle. <laughs> right, but like out of fear. <laughs> out of fear. You know what? I'm fine. I'm fine giving it to us and. To- <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, because yeah. I don't really do. I don't. Do, I don't watch comedy news shows as much. As much as I used to. As I used to. Because we are we are one. Yeah. Well, I also don't want to be like, right. oh, Brian took that joke. <laughs> right. No, I listen to more like analysis now. Yeah. Um. Okay. Most inspirational person in politics this year. I said Ocasio Cortez. I said Michelle Obama. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. She had a book come out. The book is good. I just think about the fact that we had no idea who Ocasio Cortez was last year. Yeah. She's a bartender. She literally was a bartender. Who, who is a bartender right now that we're going to know about in a year? Yeah. Who are like, you? I remember seeing her win the Democratic primary and like crying. Right. Because yeah. like, wow, that was amazing. Right. She was also like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, okay. Best troll moment. Um, I said Dems taking the house. Okay. Wait, best troll moment? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like we're trolling said, everyone saying that's, that. that's good i said um when they were sitting 
Chuck and Nancy were sitting in the Oval Office mm-hmm. and like laughing at him. And, yeah, that was really good. And Chuck great. was like laughing at the thing, and he's like, "We're keeping the government open." We're yeah, and the then he, and then he's open. like, "I will own." And then Trump said he would own the shutdown. Um, that is, a, I, 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 I wanted to say that, but I felt like it was too soon. I maybe I just didn't want to say it because I thought it just happened that there must have been something else. You know what I mean? Right. No, I know, but I think that was a, it was a good one. We can we can try to remember more if we yeah. want. You guys can submit your own. Yeah, let us know what you think. Okay, best clapback moment. Um. I say I said Obama unleashed on the campaign trail when he started calling Trump out by name and saying like, "You think he can get a middle tax class tax cut in the next ten days? He's lying." I loved that. That's good. Um, I think Nancy and the curtain. I think he's oh, that down was to really a beaded great. curtain. Yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> I bet you there are more though. Yeah. Like I, if we forgot any, let us know. Yeah. Okay. Best use of social media. I said Ocasio Cortez. So did I. Yeah. Yeah, because she she is the best use yeah. of social media. Um, if there were a poll though, I would say Trump versus her. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, we're going to put these on story later. Okay. And moment of the year, good, bad, any moment that like just epitomizes the year for you. Well, I mean, I said in a good for, I guess in a good way, it would be, um, devastating the house again mm-hmm. in a bad way. It'd be the migrant children. That was my big moment of the year. I remember. And I mean, there's something there's so many. I know. I remember just feeling really fucking down about that. Like I was like really, really ups- like personally upset, even though like I can't even imagine what these people are going through. I think it's because ultimately in all of us lives this like innate fear of like our parents leaving us. Mm-hmm. And like, I think no matter how old you get, you can feel, you can like tune into that feeling. Yeah. Which is why Trump is doing it. Cause he's trying to inflict his own inner pain to other people. But like, and, and that's another, and that's a conversation for a therapist. Yeah. And Kavanaugh <laughs> was pretty terrible. Yeah. I remember that felt like 2016 all over again. <laughs> yeah. My moment of the year is a little lighter and I actually referenced it on our last podcast, uh-huh. which is when he went to France and he didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he wouldn't go leave the hotel because it was raining. Yeah. That's a pretty great moment. Right. It was like, come on. That's like, hilarious. Like he wouldn't. That's, see, that's what I'm saying. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. No, he, he's hilarious. It's just, you know, we used to say when he, like he, when he was first running and it was a joke that, Trump is our betchiest president. Yeah. Because he's like the satirical version of a betch. Like he is well, that. Like every terrible thing you've ever thought, he is. He's he he's does. he's ruined satire. He's ruined. killed it. Ruined. There's no such thing anymore. It is hard to do comedy in the age of Trump because I posted like so someone like translated his tweet into an official White House statement mm-hmm. and it looks so bizarre yeah. on paper. Well, cuz they are fi- like, they're going in the they're going in like the archives. All of his fucking tweets are official White House statements. Kara Swisher had an amazing like analysis on the on in the Times about like going through his statements like mm-hmm. on Twitter from the past week. And she's like, it will seem really bizarre to historians that in the middle of this he tweeted a TBT from the Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> when he signed the farm bill. Yeah. P.S. The farm bill took away food stamp, basically took away like funding from like a bunch of poor people. Also, so it's not such a great bill. Also, he's bailing out the farmers with Chinese money that he's borrowing that he needs to bail out the farmers with because of the tariffs with China. Yes. That he started. That he started. This is an amazing year. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So be sure to tune in on Monday, New Year's Eve day. Um, we have an incredible interview. This is actually my favorite interview we've ever done. And that like 
it's just a topic that I think is not getting enough play. Mm-hmm. Sarah Kenzier is an incredible journalist. Um, she, if, she, yeah. She's from St. Louis. She uses like mostly publicly available information mm-hmm. and she is just like incredible. You guys have to listen to it. The Republicans are trying to rewrite the constitution. Mm-hmm. So get it. Atten- pay attention. <laughs> yeah. She's also like, I'm sure like if you Twitter search her, um, some great, she's a, she's a great clapbacker. Speaking of clapback of the year. She is. She's a really good clapbacker. I've watched some videos of her speaking woman. and she's very, she's very intelligent. Yes. So check out that interview on Monday and we will be back with the news in your feeds Thursday. Elisa mm-hmm. Brian will be on. Yep. I'm, I'm going to go on a work trip for like a week and a half. Yeah. So it will be them. A work trip, quote unquote. It is a work trip. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'm going to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> yes. Sammy paid to take a picture. $25 to take a picture with the president. That would be the troll of a year. That would be in the troll. And then just like wear a, um, I don't know, something. Wear an Icons t-shirt. With, oh my God. He'd be know. like, who's that? Yeah, with Kamala Michelle. He'd be like, I thought it's supposed to say Pocahontas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until the end of democracy and at the end of 2018, this has been the Betches Up Podcast. Oh, I'm Sammy Fishbach. I'm Brian Russell Smith. <laughs> Couldn't keep the tagline together for the end of the year. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>